Welcome to Photoactive, a podcast about photography and technology. I'm Kirk McElhern. And I'm Jeff Carlson. You can find show notes, including any photos we discuss in this episode at photoactive.co. That's photoactive.co. You know, now that Black Friday's over and we've all bought a ton of stuff, is there anything else you want to buy for Christmas or maybe in post-Christmas sales? Oh, now see, want, that's a dangerous word. There are many things that I want to buy. The photography gods have shown the Fujifilm X-T5, which is very, very tempting because I have the X-T3 and yeah. the X-T5 I think has enough features that I, I want to upgrade. My X-T3 has served me very well, but there are things about the X-T5 and I haven't ordered one yet. I'm still trying to figure out, like, do I really need it? And So that's why you wanted to do an episode about buying a new camera. This is for you. Um, no, no, no. I would never, ever admit to that publicly. Um, <laughs> the reason this topic came up, and, you know, once again, here's our standard disclaimer. We are not a gear show, but this is going to be sort of a gear episode, but more from a, a, a broader top-down perspective because we just came through – October and November, which are the busiest months for camera companies to release new lenses, new camera bodies, all the new technologies. Um, our friends Chris and Jordan over at DP Review uh, have made a bunch of different videos all at once and they were exhausted. They even posted a picture. Uh, I'll put it in the show notes about them just being exhausted from having to keep up with this pace. But it also brings up the question of, OK, there are lots of new cameras and new technologies. So if you are looking to buy a new camera, what do you look for? Because I think looking to buy a camera now is a much different calculation than it was, say, even three or four years ago. There are a lot of big differences. And I didn't pay attention to all of the new features in the new cameras uh, but it does look like this has been a bumper year for cameras. And, and I think th there are probably a couple of reasons with COVID, the camera sales dropped. So I guess the camera companies held off releasing new cameras. But there is new technology that's trickling down from the high end. And I think the mirrorless camera is now almost taken over from the DSLR. So more and more companies are working on that. They're having to compete more and more with the iPhone, with the 48 megapixel uh, camera in the iPhone 14 Pro. So it is an interesting time. Of course, is just before Christmas the best time to buy a new camera? I would argue that no, for two reasons. One, assuming you're in the Northern Hemisphere, it can be very cold and you're not going to be going out and taking a lot of pictures. You might take more pictures at home on Christmas Day and all that. Um, but the second thing is that all the camera manufacturers run sales in April and May because that's before the new photography season when the weather's getting warmer. So you're not going to find anything on sale now. You might find some things on sale after Christmas. I don't know if there are any sales on brand new camera models for Black Friday. I doubt it. That's not when they do it. Uh, older models might have been on sale. And there might be sales on older models for Christmas. Of course, just because the X-T5 is out doesn't mean the X-T4 wouldn't be a great camera for a lot of people. So this could also be the time to grab the previous model if something has just been updated. Yeah, I think that's that's a huge part of it right there because, you know, especially given the camera manufacturers have honestly had 
a tough several years, um, A, because of COVID and manufacturing and all of that, uh, B, because of the impact that the iPhone and other smartphones are having on photography. And I mean, I think even a year or two ago, there was some serious concern about how these companies would even fare or survive. And so I've been really surprised this year to see a lot of new models, a lot of new technology, a, a big push in the traditional camera market because I think finally, finally, these companies have woken up to the fact that Apple and Google are eating their lunch and they need to innovate. They need to do interesting things and they can't just you know, slap a – slightly new body on top of an old sensor and call it their brand new model, which they got away with for years and years. So I would say the first thing to look at in this discussion, I want to take a big top-down view, is camera systems because obviously if you are invested with a lot of lenses in like a Fuji system or a Canon system, that's going to make a big impact on on how you're going to move forward. Well, yes and no. Okay. Yes and no. Who among us has not invested in one system only to switch to another system, selling off the cameras and lenses that they have bought? And I think this is part of – there's two things. There's gear lust that inspires that, but there's also uh, getting more familiar with cameras and photography and you realize that maybe another one is better adapted to what you do. And I think we should never have any shame if we do that. I mean it costs a lot. You lose a lot of money when you sell all your equipment. Um, but it can be positive because you're finding ergonomics that you prefer or just the type of features that you didn't have in the previous system. That's exactly it. So for example, one of the things that I think is a big differentiator from even a few years ago are the autofocus systems in cameras because Sony especially, Fuji a little bit. Um, I think Nikon and, and Canon have really stepped up in this regard. The autofocus systems are much, much better. They're great at tracking people. They're great at identifying objects. You can say, I want to shoot birds and it will look for birds and it will focus on the eyes. And if that's kind of the photography that you're doing, if you're a bird photographer, for example, you really want to seriously look at getting – a, a new Sony body because the autofocus is that good. If you're a portrait photographer, that is also a big deal. I say this from my own personal experience. I've done a few portrait shoots lately with my X-T3 and it definitely has better autofocus than what came before. But I'm missing shots. It's not always picking up uh, eyes and it's happening enough that I'm now looking at the X-T5 and thinking, ooh, well, that's a much better autofocus system, but maybe I need to switch to Sony. So portrait photography for me, there's two types. There's the one type where you just want part of the face in focus, right? And, and you're going to use a, a wide open f-stop. Mm -hmm. And that's really specific. But the other type is you want everything in focus. Why don't you just set it to f8 and get extra lights? Hmm. <laughs> because because when you when you're doing portraits, people aren't moving very much, so you don't necessarily need the same kind of focus. Uh, yes and no. I think 
it depends. Well, like you said, I, I think a, a lot of the the portrait photography uh, that I do tends to be with that really shallow depth of field. Um, I did a, a session with a, a guy that I know here. He's a coral conductor, and we went to a park outside. Got some nice fall foliage behind him. And so I wanted that to be blurry and, and of course, focus on him. But right. even though he's he was mostly static, I mean, yeah, I wasn't having him stand stock still. We were basically having a conversation while I was shooting. There are still times when the camera focused on his nose, or it you know would grab something off to the side of the frame, um, or. What I'm finding with my X-T3 and, and maybe it's just my model or my specific camera, sometimes the the person recognition or, or the eye autofocus just wasn't kicking in. Like it, it didn't recognize that he had eyes and so it was just <laughs> focusing using the focus selector, which is fine. But when you're shooting at f1.8, 1.4 even, sometimes you, yeah. you – you get that that focused nose and the the eyes are like just a little bit soft. Mm. Again, I feel like we say this a lot, but it's always worth saying you need to think about what kind of photography you are going to be doing and take into account – I mean other things like uh, holding the camera if you have something that's not very comfortable. As a really good example, Fuji's GFX line, it's their medium format and – the image quality is fantastic and from what I can tell, especially if you're like a landscape photographer, it's ideal. But the autofocus tends to be kind of slow and so you're also dealing with a slightly bigger camera with bigger glass. A much bigger, heavier camera. So even though you're thinking, wow, I can I can get 100 megapixels of information and zoom and crop and do whatever I need – but if you're shooting, say, portraits and you're not getting that that focus or someone's moving, even if they're not you know, running like sports, then you're just stuck with you photos. You might as well use an iPhone. You might as well use an iPhone. You're stuck with photos that, that you, you know, aren't going to be happy with regardless of how much you spend on your camera. Yeah. So your, your main point is to pick the type of photography you use and then find which camera is ideal for that. Now, this reminds me of a conversation I had with David Dushman early this year. Um, David's been on our show a couple of times. He's a photographer and a teacher and a writer. And he had been using Fujifilm for a long time. Um, a lot of his work was street and he had been doing more and more nature photography and he wanted to focus on the nature photography. And he just wasn't satisfied with Fujifilm for autofocus and because he didn't have any really long lenses. I think the week after we spoke, Fujifilm released that new 300 or 400 millimeter lens. Uh -huh. And I think the X-T5's autofocus would be more what he would want for the type of photography he was doing. So sometimes you may have the system that you're, you're familiar with and you like, and it just doesn't have what you need yet. And then all of a sudden, if you wait a little bit more, it might come out because this is a big change. You have to buy the new stuff, sell the old stuff, get used to the menus. My God, oh, yeah. a new camera. That's like, you know, <laughs> that, that takes months to get used to it. So um, it is very important to know what you're shooting and what kind of camera you think you're going to want. Now, of course, we're, we're talking about uh, – this is really high level. Uh, for a lot of people, it's just they shoot everything and they just need a camera for shooting everything. 
I'm also going to going to uh, bring up one more thing talking about like new technologies. One thing about say the XT4, the XT5, and a lot of modern bodies, they're now shipping with in-body stabilization, which can make a big difference if you don't have a lens that is stabilized or you do have a lens that does have image stabilization and the two work together better. So even if you have a camera that does a fairly good job and maybe it doesn't have the best autofocus, having that stabilization also contributes overall. And Again, there's a little part of my brain that's pinging me that's like, dude, you don't need all the new fancy technology. You can still make good photos with whatever camera you have and you know all of that. But if you have, say, uh, in your case, you, you've mentioned you have like a slight tremor uh, or you're, you're carrying a camera all day or you're shooting wildlife where that stabilization makes a difference, then jumping to a new camera, a new – not even necessarily a new system, but something that is made in the last year can really be beneficial over time. And don't forget GearLust. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> we don't acknowledge that GearLust exists except when yes. we actually always have GearLust. <laughs> yeah. I, I have to say I haven't bought anything um, in more than a year since I bought my Leica. Mm-hmm. And one of the reasons I was interested in getting the Leica Q2 monochrome as opposed to the Leica M is because I can't buy any lenses for it. It's a fixed lens camera. So I didn't have any gear lust. There was no possibility of looking, ooh, that 50 millimeter lens could be nice. So no possibility of that. And I find that really actually refreshing that there's nothing that I can add. I mean, I bought a couple of filters and I bought a flash actually to try and Mm -hmm. do some stuff um, sort of outdoor with that extra flash bit, which I've never gotten around to doing, but I can't buy new lenses. So that's right. worth um, keeping in mind. Well, and, um, you, and you bought a Leica, so you don't have any more money left to buy anything anyway. <laughs> well, exactly, yeah. Um, the next thing to talk about is sensor size. And, and you initially had the X-T1, which had 18 megapixels. Then you got the X-T3, which had 26. Now the X-T5 has 40 megapixels, right? That is actually a big deal for the same reason we talked about the 48 megapixels in the iPhone giving you latitude for cropping. Um, the same is true with getting the new Fuji. I mean, I'm going to convince you to buy the X-T5 before the episode's <laughs> over. I think on the one hand, megapixels aren't everything, and we've talked about that in the past. But on the other hand, seeing with my Leica with a 47 megapixel sensor how much I can crop um, it makes a big difference. I'm, I don't care about a, a shot that's using the whole sensor and getting all those megapixels, but it's that, it's that ability to crop since I can't zoom um, to get more detail. And that's actually quite important. I would completely agree. And I, I'm sure I've been on record as saying megapixels aren't that important. But when I did buy this X-T3, I remember distinctly and I know we said it in one of the episodes, you know, actually the increase in resolution is really quite nice. And so now I think about going back to the X-T1 and I'm that, that's that's too little. Like, no, no, I, I can't go below 26 megapixels anymore. And now I'm just going <laughs> to go up. Now, do I need 100 megapixels? Probably not. Do I need to buy a Sony AR5, which has 60 megapixels? Well, 
I'm sure that would be very nice. But that is also a significant jump in price. And again, we go back to do I want to redo my entire system? And right now I, I don't think I do. Um, also, the Sony has a full-frame sensor versus a cropped sensor, which I think in some circumstances that can make a difference. I know that that when I've been out shooting with other people who have that higher-end Sony cameras, you can really tell a difference between my shots and theirs. But that doesn't necessarily mean that my shots are bad. I can just see when you know comparing them side by side. Oh, th there's more dynamic range here because it is a bigger sensor. And that's not really a huge issue. But again, like as with everything we're talking about today, they're all little considerations that come together as a whole. So if the X-T5 only had 26 megapixels, would I still consider it? Uh, yeah, absolutely. There are other features about it. Because it has a 40 megapixel sensor, well, that is more appealing to me. And actually, Fuji has a really good example of this right now because in addition to the X-T5, uh, they also released the H2S. No. <clears throat> in addition to the X-T5, they also released the X-H2. No. H T, my God! <laughs> keep keep this in the final edited version because this shows how poorly their um, camera naming exactly. is. Exactly, um, it is the X H two S. So they, so Fuji has the X H two S, and they also have the X H two, and they're basically the same camera except the X H two has the same 40 megapixel sensor that's in the X-T5. But the X-H2S has a 26 megapixel sensor, but it's a stacked sensor. And so the advantage there is it has a faster readout speed and therefore the X-H2S is a better camera for shooting video because you're not going to get the, the type of rolling shutter issues that you would get when you're moving the camera. Both of them very good, but there are a lot of people who will pay more for the X-H2S because of that readout speed, but they don't get the advantage of the higher resolution. And so that's – for me, the question is I think I would prefer the higher resolution and because I don't really need the video features – I would go for the X-T5 versus the X-H2. You mentioned earlier that Sony has a 60 megapixel sensor and the Leica M11 did something interesting. It's got a 60 megapixel sensor, but you have three settings. You can shoot in 60, 36, or 18. Mm -hmm. And each time it creates DNG and or JPEG if you want. And so it's a kind of pixel binning that allows you, you don't always need 60 megapixels. So you may not want to fill up your... Um, SD card if you're shooting in burst, for example. So you can go down to 36 or even 18 if you know you don't need the extra megapixels. Exactly. And that brings up another point. If we are going to jump up to more megapixels, we're going to jump up to more image sizes. You have to take into account larger storage cards. Um, also, some of the new cameras now take a different format. So instead of just the SD card 
They have the is it the CF Express CF Express cards? Yeah, yeah. Which are so you got to buy all new cards gotta buy because you got a drawer full of SD cards that you bought on Black Friday and now you can't use them anymore. <laughs> and then you're gonna have to buy a new Mac because you're not gonna have enough storage for the size of the files. Exactly. And then you might have to increase your iCloud storage or your Adobe Creative Cloud storage. So sensor equals storage equals. Cards equals iCloud and Adobe and everything. It's a just it's dominoes, isn't it? Yeah, it's dominoes, and it's a, a good example of you can't just think, oh, I'm just going to get a new body, because you're not going to end up just buying a new camera body or maybe a couple of new accessories. You have to take into account this whole ecosystem of, well, if you're going to buy a new body, you may need to buy a new batteries. I didn't mean for this to be become a, a Jeff's XT5 retail therapy session, but going from the <laughs> XT3 to the XT5, they use a different kind of batteries. So that means that if I get an XT5, I also need to buy some separate batteries because the ones that I have now will not work in that camera. So all these things go into this decision, but to kind of bring it back to the original point, these are things that I think get a little bit lost when you're thinking of of buying a new camera because you're looking at, ooh, it's got this feature and it's got that feature. But a lot of these features now, like the superior autofocus and in-body stabilization and higher megapixels, these are things that weren't necessarily the top features several years ago. You might want to change cameras because a different camera system has a specific lens you want. And that's getting into the, you know, into the tall grass when you think about that. Every camera system has its strengths and weaknesses and lenses. If you want to see what photos taken with a specific lens looks like, you can check on Flickr. Now, I know Glass is going to have a feature like that at some point in the future. Um, Glass is a um, photo sharing service app website that we both use. We talked to the founders uh, on our recent episode. We'll put a link in the show notes. I can't think of any other consideration except this one niggling thing that's like rattling around in my mind. What is it? It's – oh, yes, money. <laughs> Cost. <laughs> Cost is definitely because, a factor. Because what is the X-T5? $1,500, $2,000 or something? It's a lot it's more like, expensive than the three and the four. Um, I, I want to say it's like around sixteen or $1,700 US. So not not – out of the range, I think it, it might be comparable, roughly comparable to what the XT4 was. But you know, it's it's still money that you have to come up with, and it also goes back to the: Am I going to sell my previous body, and how am I going to do that? And we actually have a uh, one of our original episodes, uh, our first episodes, was about buying and selling camera gear. I'll put a link in the show notes for that too, but. It is not an insignificant thing to just go buy a new body unless you have fantastic monetary oh, resources. Yeah. Yes. Well, I'm finding that the X-T5 costs $44,195, but that's actually the Cadillac X-T5. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, don't don't go make a mistake if you're going to buy an XT5. Don't get the wrong one. Uh, it is sixteen ninety nine, um, and I believed when the XT three came out that I had it was around twelve or thirteen. So it's, it is a big jump in inflation and all those things that make a difference in price. But you are in for an expense, and 
for, for me, this stuff goes in cycles. Every few years, I'm like, okay, I want to change. And for the past year, I really haven't bought anything. I'm going to tell you a secret. I sold two of my Fuji lenses last week on eBay. Ah. Because I'm realizing I don't use them much. I sold the 16 f2.8 and the 35 f2 because i have the f1.4 35 which i really like a lot better and i rarely use the 16 but i have the 16 to 80 zoom Mm. so if i need the wider angle i can do that and it it, this was part of a process that had me think, well, what can I cull that I don't use? And and I have smart albums in my photos library to see which lenses I've used the most. Um, the 16 was like one of the least used. And it was the same one. I had the 18 with my first Fujifilm camera. I barely used it either. It's just too wide for what I shoot. Mm-hmm. So another thing, instead of necessarily buying a new camera, you could maybe start culling all your stuff and get rid of all that stuff and sell it. And just rediscover your existing camera. That's true. That's true. My dirty secret is that I only have like four lenses and I tend to switch between them pretty pretty often. I absolutely lust for like a – Fuji has a, a 35 millimeter or a 32 millimeter, which would be about 50-ish when you do the crop factor uh, calculation. And like – if anything, that might be my next lens, although actually the, the 100 to 400 zoom is also nice. And see what you've done? You've put me on this see, path. Yeah. <laughs> no, you're, you're, th- you're thinking of the recent 33 millimeter F1 or something, right? No, not – Which is really expensive. Not that one. I, I, they, they, have the, they have the 35 1.4, which I have, which is a great lens and which isn't that expensive. That's the one I'm thinking of, yeah. Yeah. But it's that, still money. Get that. You'll love it. It's – yeah, but it, it's my favorite lens, partly because I like that 50 millimeter equivalent focal length, mm-hmm. um, but also because it's just a great lens. It, it really has character. Yeah. Anyway, we've been going on for a long time. Either buy a new camera or sell your stuff or – Exactly. It's, it's tough, isn't it? <laughs> and, and I know when I talk to people about audio gear, it's the same thing. Yeah. Obviously, you don't have the, the, the equivalent of lenses with audio gear. You only listen to a pair of speakers at a time. So you don't have as many variables. But it's the same kind of thing. It's like, well, this one's got this. It's a little bit better. And I kind of like the ergonomics of that one and all. And it's, yeah, you know. Or headphones. Don't get me started about oh, headphones. Geez. I know lots of um, <laughs> headphone fanatics that buy like that have 10 different headphones and, you know. Yeah. They're all dangerous roads to go down. This is capitalism, isn't it? Uh, it is. So I'm going to wrap up with that core message that is easy to get lost when we go down these routes is remember what it is that you like to photograph and find a system that helps you enjoy doing that because, oh my gosh, you could totally go and get the latest, biggest Sony, whatever, whatever, and maybe it's not weather sealed and you like to go out in the rain or in the fog and you can have as many megapixels and the greatest autofocus in the world, but if water gets in there and ruins your camera, which I know has been an issue with some Sony bodies, then you're kind of hosed. So keep in mind the photography part and not the gear part, even though it's easy to focus on the gear. Okay. How about snapshots? Let's do snapshots. 
So I have something that is very photographic focused and it is a camera lens cleaner blower. And you think, well, I already have one of those rocket things. Why do I need to care? Um, this is – it's by a company called VSGO or Visco. Uh, it's technically the Visco V-B011E camera cleaning blower. And of course, we'll have a link in the show notes. Um, what's cool about this is A, it's small. The rocket blower that I have, I have like a, a bigger one and a sort of a smaller one that's still uh, also, I don't know, large-ish. Um, but it's it's weighted on the bottom. And so it like it feels really good in your hand. It kind of stays put and has a good, you know, blower – blowerness to it, I guess. <laughs> that's the technical term. Um, but basically <laughs> it's, it's $18. And it's compact and I'm finding myself using it more and carrying it more like you know, when I actually have my camera bag than my other blower just because it's, it's small and cute and uh, works because too often I am finding myself without a blower because it didn't fit in my bag or it just – it was just too bulky. So I like it quite a bit. Kirk, what do you have this week? Yours is quite attractive. I have one that has a, like a horsehair brush on the end as well. Oh. So you can brush and blow. Oh, OK. That's really practical. I'll find that for the next snapshot. Excellent. What do you have for this snapshot? So this so this week, it was you who inspired me because you said it was snowing today in Seattle when you went out and you don't often take pictures in the snow. And I mentioned that I bought these gloves a couple years ago which are designed to help you hold on to devices. Now, these are from a company called um, Extremities. We'll put a link in the show notes to Amazon UK. Uh, I don't think they're sold in the US, but you'll find plenty of companies that sell them. It's kind of like your usual tight Gore-Tex glove, but the front of it has a kind of a honeycomb pattern made of rubber. So things stick to it. They grip. So if, you, if you're holding a smartphone or if you're holding a camera, you can grip it and it's not going to slip very easily. Um, the gloves are thin enough that you can press the shutter. It's not one of them where you take the tip off of your index finger to press the shutter, but you mm -hmm. can press the shutter relatively well. And I bought these a couple of years ago. We don't get very cold temperatures here, but when it gets to be wintry and humid and I'm out with the camera, it, this is like it's a no-brainer. Um, they're light. They were 25 or 30 pounds. So you'll find equivalents in the U.S. around the same price. There's probably plenty of companies that make these. These are Extremities Insulated Waterproof Sticky Power Liner Glove. Ooh, power liner. Well, I can say from yes. experience, you might think, you know what? It's not that cold. I don't need gloves. And the longer you're out, the colder your hands are. And if you have cold, uncomfortable hands while you're doing photography, the whole experience just goes downhill from there. And your camera is cold. Oh, yeah. Your camera is made of metal in most cases, and it just absorbs the cold and it turns into an ice cube. So, yeah. yes, you need gloves. Okay, so the Christmas season's coming up. You have some ideas if you want to get a new camera. Jeff, that X-T5 would be, you know, really nice. But, of course, if you waited until April or May, you can get a discount. That might be the case, yeah. We'll report back when Jeff does get his <laughs> X-T5. Oh, believe me. All right, until You'll next know. Time. <laughs> until next time. Thanks for listening to Photoactive. 
You can find show notes, including any photos we discuss in this episode, at photoactive.co. That's photoactive.co. We couldn't afford the M. You can join our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash photoactivecast. That's photoactivecast in one word. You can subscribe to Photoactive in your favorite podcast app or on Apple Podcasts. See the links on our website. And think about leaving us a rating or review in iTunes or in your podcast app. 